Hello, I am Joe Rycroft. And I'm Adam Hewitt. Welcome to the Exercise Right podcast, the show where we delve deep into the world of exercise, rehabilitation and wellness. A fun, non-drab approach where Adam and I will be talking about all things exercise, physiology, health and rehabilitation, whilst debunking myths, making some complex science a lot more simple and giving you some tips and tricks to improve your health and well-being. Each week we will host guest speakers who are experts in their field and hear from you, the listener, to answer any of your questions. Good evening. Happy Tuesday, Ads. Evening, Joe. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Very well. How are you? Good. Good, good. I, th- I thought we should actually prompt listeners that we record on a Tuesday, but we also release our podcasts every Tuesday as well. Um, I don't think we've ever actually said that. So <laughs> just so listeners know. Tuesday, roughly about 6am, set your alarms. We have our podcast release per week. And then in the evenings, we record the next one. Yeah, and that is my my frantic editing during the week on my commute to work. Um, Also, I wanted to mention that the end of last episode, it sounded like I dropped Joe right in it um, by asking who we had during the week in my defence. We had just had the conversation on who we had planned. <laughs> yes. Uh, in Joe's defence, she doesn't know the order of when we release people. So that's why there was a slight pause, slight hesitation. But actually, I quite enjoyed the whole thing. So it's Massive internal panic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, what order are we doing? The people just talked in. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was very next funny. Next week or is it next week? Next week. <laughs> Who have you got next week? Um... <laughs> we have somebody talking wow. about something to do with exercise. Yeah. <laughs> They're appearing on the Exercise Right podcast, lo and behold. <laughs> so, and, um, sorry. No, no, you carry on. You carry on. I have a, I'm going to put it out to listeners. And I think it's a polarizing debate and a poll but miss rycroft went for a run with her friend and (laughs) at 9.99 kilometers to which i was like why would you do that to yourself in that i just needed that round number i would lose sleep on 9.99 kilometers unless that was the actual goal which i don't think it was so joe explain yourself well, it's quite a simple explanation for me on this one, which I'm afraid it makes it a little bit boring. But I'm um, I'm very old school and I operate in miles. How many miles is 9.99 kilometres? Well, approximately six, but it probably, to be fair, it probably was like 5.98. But I just this... kind of stop my watch and I go in home. I'm like just thinking about my, my post-run snack more than I am about what how many miles or kilometres or metres I've got, got on the watch. Is, is, is more that... It just so the, the debate in the poll is are you a runner that needs to run to a round number or the full distance, i.e., you know, half marathon distance, or are you a Joe who is a psychopath? Someone... <laughs> post race, post run snack. <laughs> so 9.99 <laughs> kilometers for the listeners is 6.207 miles, which still gives me anxiety and will not let me sleep. So <laughs> We can put it out and we and do let us know. Give us a little feedback on it. We'll add a poll in one of the posts as well. And you can let us know. We can give live feedback on the next show. But um, 
who have we got today today Today? i I know who we've got today thankfully (laughs) before you like (laughs) today we have the wonderful emma russell yeah i'm really looking forward to this one actually me too Um, a little bit of like paddle sport which is exciting exactly yeah we're going back into the charlotte henshaw days of of season one and um emma russell very much uh is going to talk to us about goals for 2024 paris olympics um and the journey through um a as a canoe sprint athlete so very much looking forward to it um and see you on the other side see you on the other side good evening and welcome to another episode of the exercise right podcast um today we have the quite wonderful emma russell join us um, thank you so much, Emma, for joining and being part of the Exercise Right podcast. Um, for those who don't know, Emma is a canoe sprint athlete and very much aiming for Paris 2024. Um, and vicariously, I hope you don't mind me saying, we've been I've been really keeping up with the journey, Emma, and really hoping that we, you know you get some records and and get exactly what the results you want to do. But um, Emma, over to you. Tell us a bit about yourself. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so I'm a finished sprint athlete. Um, I started when I was quite young, when I was about eight years old. Um, did lots of different sports. Slowly, kind of, as I got older, I started to quit all the other sports because I wanted to go canoeing more. Um, had quite a successful uh, junior career. Um, did a lot of racing. Came away with a lot of medals and just had a really great time. Uh, and then I made the move to Nottingham um, to start my degree in maths and to join the world-class programme, which is all kind of based out out of Nottingham at the moment. So I kind of moved there for for the coaching and all the support services, really. And then, yeah, currently currently now, um, well into kind of my senior career and hopefully aiming towards the Olympics. So very much interested. So my first question, and there's quite a quite a, a black and white one is did not in university and you can hopefully not get into trouble for the answer in this was it the canoe reputation and the and the sort of training and the pedigree you're going for or is it the mathematic course you're aiming for which one came uh, top i think the canoeing <laughs> came first there, no there offense were mathematic options. lecture over there but <laughs> <laughs> there were other options there's a, a few unis sort of loughborough's fairly nearby Nottingham Trent's fairly nearby as well so um yeah canoeing narrowed down my options <laughs> and from getting sport at, at, from eight talk to us about that so what was it like having I guess the potential at that such a young age and almost the journey and the pathways to where you are now yeah I don't think I I don't think I showed much potential to be honest um when I first started I was known for not going in a straight line, um, but I just really love sports. So I, I did so many other things. I did swimming, I did um, volleyball, I did trampolining, um, and I just love being active, active, yeah. To be fair to you, only 50% of those you have to go in a straight line, so that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was it that got you into canoeing? Because I know that, well, I mean, Please forgive my innocence, but I don't know loads about canoeing. It's probably down to my just exposure where I've lived. Um, but I'm assuming it's not a highly participated sport. No, the numbers aren't aren't massive. Um, it's something that I've 
really kind of want to have an impact on actually um getting more young people into it um through the club systems because there are loads of clubs out there um and it's a really friendly sport that it's it means that it's almost like I could go anywhere in the country and I'd be able to find someone who I could go and stay with overnight or go and train with um but I got into it originally because my older brother um had gone to a taster session with his scouts group and that was I think a couple of years before I was I was old enough to try try it myself um and so I used to get dragged around to go and watch him race um wait for him to pick him up from his training sessions and kept saying can I have a go can I have a go can I have a go and eventually I was I was allowed to give it a go um and yeah really loved it so you've obviously had quite the transition from junior athlete to senior athlete talk us through kind of how that went and what are the key differences to the way you train now to how you did um back as like a junior I think as a junior I used to do a lot more volume of training I just used to go on loads of long paddles loads of really hard efforts all the time and almost like racing each other every session but now it's a bit more the sessions have, have got a bit more purpose like every every time I go training I know that there's a certain kind of thing we're working on whether that's I'm working on my start or I'm working on um my race profile I'm working on building just generally like my, my engine my heart and my lungs um yeah sorry what was, what was your question so you've, you've you've kind of answered it well there in sense you've, you've essentially got more structure now yeah 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 okay. yeah it's definitely changed um obviously when I moved to Nottingham I switched coach as well so it was kind of a different approach there and what does a typical training week look like for you nowadays, if you can dive um, So I'm just going into the winter now. So I'm over the winter, tend to do um, two to three sessions a day, six days a week. And they're normally about an hour, an hour and a half. Um, and it's typically like one session will be on the water um, or on an erg if the weather's really bad. Um, and then the other one will be in the gym um and then there's a few like runs or bikes just to kind of change it up a little bit switch the stimulus um yeah and then as we go into the summer it's taking out some of that gym and putting in more paddling I do really enjoy um like a really hard sort of vo2 type session um I, I love why sort of four five minutes <laughs> I love so, VO2 max training it gets me out of bed anything over about like yeah four or five minute efforts um sounds disgusting it is disgusting <laughs> but I, I I've come from more of a yeah I, I don't I, I come from more of a like endurance kind of end of canoe sprint so I think I've probably enjoyed that because I've been better at it sort of when I was younger um, so I've always kind of leaned towards doing that but I do I find it quite satisfying like I've I feel like I've worked really really hard Hype too fun is that is that not what they call it yeah <laughs> so where in in regards to going into winter now and shaping up for Paris 2024 how does that look leading up to August isn't it Paris 2024 yeah. isn't it yeah so yeah. 
how does that shape up over the next sort of six months? Because obviously that latter part is going to be much more specific um, over the winter months. What does your prep look like? Uh, so we're still sort of finalising it now, but generally between now and Christmas, it's going to be um, almost like going back to basics. So doing a lot of technical work, um, a lot of like building a base, so a lot of longer paddles, um, a lot of work in the gym. Um, and yeah, with the we're, we're still kind of working out which boats we want to try and target. But with the crew boats, with the K2, it's it's getting time in a boat with somebody else and and kind of working on all the little leans and the little little subtleties and those sort of things um so that when we get to january we can start increasing the intensity um and bringing in a bit more sort of starts and and um some sort of race distances um and then yeah last last few weeks before any comp is normally a few time trials a few sort of race type scenarios and you mentioned about you, you know, teaming up. Um, is Deborah Kerr you're working with now? Yeah. Yeah. So how does that partnership work? Is do you have, you know, is there different strengths or do you have complementing strengths to make that canoe perform at its best? I think we both have a very strong finish when it comes to the 500 meter. Um, so that second 250, we, I think, we tend to give everyone a bit of a heart attack when we race because we're normally quite far down at the halfway point um, and then we <laughs> seem to come through really really strong um, and I think we're we're both sort of racers when it I think when it's really come down to kind of a situation where it's like it's a bit of a fine line are we going to make this final or not we seem to really switch on and work together and, and do do the job um, yeah, Deb is a bit more, um, bit more chatty and things than me when it comes to being around racing. So that's something we kind of have to manage. But um, yeah, she's great to work with. And you talked about you know being behind in the first two fifty. How? What's your mindset then? What's your thought process? Is it because that's your, I guess your, your not. I wouldn't say your approach because I'm sure you want to be ahead in the first 250. Yeah. But um, if it's become kind of like the style of racing and you know that you're back back of the group or middle of the group in the first 250, what goes through your brain in that mindset and the and your yeah your, your thoughts at that moment? Uh, it's mostly just really trying to block out everything that's going on around me. Um, mm. So we've got a really clear plan and we run through it over and over again and I think it's just staying calm and not panicking and thinking ah everyone's ahead of me I need to do something different because when you do something different probably not going to work um so yeah it's just kind of sticking to what I know works sticking to the plan um and it kind of helps that my vision isn't great so I tend to not see what's going on around me anyway um (laughs) yeah I, you've got I no idea to, if you're first second or last yeah I do tend to go across the finish line and straight away stare up at the the scoreboard where um where the results pop up because I'm thinking I have no idea we could have just come a couple of race we could have just come <laughs> last I have no idea you can look at Debs and see if she celebrates yeah, sometimes, she's for sometimes she, she she'll put her hand behind her back to give me a high five and I'm 
thinking, oh, I must have done all right then. <laughs> From that kind of mental aspect, do you work with uh, sports psychologists as part of your, like, you know, um, training and in preparation for, for the major game? Um, have a, a little bit around training and a little bit around the kind of group dynamics. Um, haven't really tapped into it too much in terms of actual racing because it's it's always kind of been something I felt really happy with um, and I've not kind of wanted to kind of start changing something that I know is working really well. It's almost like I go into a bit of a... It felt, not, not sure if autopilot is the right word, but I almost just sort of go into my zone and it work exactly how I want to. So I don't, yeah, I've not worked too much on that. That sort of stayed the same for me. Not broken, don't, don't try fixing Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was sort of doing a bit of research and I know that when you're talking about the finals of the Worlds, um, but you, you alluded to quite a lot of bumps along the road and a couple of challenges that you faced um, during that period. What were they? and how did you come about <laughs> sort of overcoming <laughs> those challenges yeah yeah I think well right back from the start of the, the K4 journey we over the season last year we just seemed to have one thing after another we joke that we went from plan A all the way down to plan Z because it was just I had a period of I think it was about five or six weeks where I couldn't paddle on the water there was injuries. We went on a training camp and two of the girls got COVID. So they were isolating. It was then another injury. And then it was, I got COVID right before we went to the world. So last year it was all kind of up and down and we didn't really get time in the boat. Had a really great, um, really great world last year. Got back together. Um, and yeah, there's, there's been the same sort of bumps along the way, a few, a few injuries and, and illnesses and things. Um, I had to adapt quite a lot of my training um, sort of early part of winter last year and didn't quite do as much intensity as I'd have liked to do. Um, yeah, it seems it's never never really straightforward when you you need four people um, all on their all on their A game when it comes to crew boats. And you talk about injuries, obviously canoeing is such a, in a way, a repetitive styled approach of sport, but also it's like such high intensity. Um, is that what sort of injuries do you typically face and how do you go about firstly present, preventing those injuries? And secondly, what sort of rehab do you look at to sort of post-race to help um, stem any, any serious injuries? Yeah, a lot of it is um, back injuries, um, particularly when you're doing K4. Um, it, yeah, or, or K2 as well. Um, and I think that sort of comes from when you're sitting in the boat, people, no one sits perfectly straight. Everyone's got their own sort of, um, yeah, slightly asymmetrical. And so when you've got four people sitting in the boat, in all this you know the boat weighs 30 kilos just over 30 kilos you've then got four people in the boat it's a it's a heavy thing to lift so you put in a lot of strain through the body um and trying to stabilize and and so I think that's where that comes from um yeah I think every time that's sort of cropped up with someone the team's kind of reviewed what what likely impacted on that and then we've we've started doing 
like post paddle reset so we'll finish our session and then we'll straight away go into some sort of reset exercises set by the physio just to try and um let everything kind of settle down and that seems to be seems to be quite a helpful one um yeah and then it's, it's shoulders as well um getting quite a lot of niggles um particularly when you're paddling through sort of bad weather crosswinds that sort of thing you tend to sort of catch catch the wind wrong and you've got another niggle so it's how it's it's uh there's a lot of variables I guess aren't there and it's yeah there are a lot all comes together um I'm quite interested by your kind of experience at university um I mean I attempted a level maths and I feel like I'm my brain is still still fried from from that but I stopped at GCSE (laughs) you're sensible Talk us through how you kind of balanced a maths degree alongside, you know, essentially being a a professional athlete. Yeah, my first year, well, my whole university experience, no no year was the same because of COVID and lockdown. um, But my first year I did full time um, and maths has a lot of contact hours, a lot of lectures, and it was was really difficult to, to manage actually. Um, I, I, it was a lot of early mornings, a lot of rushing back to get to, to uni and then trying to squeeze in a gym. Um, I was a sports scholar, which um, meant that I had access to their facilities at the uni, which really helped. Um, I could use their gym, I could use their swimming pool. Um, and then, yeah, the following year, it was all based online and a lot of it wasn't at a scheduled time. So that made things a bit easier in terms of I could train at a normal time um, and not have to be getting out of bed super early. Um, but again, the workload was was still something that I struggled with. And I decided after that that I'd split my third year into two years, um, which made such a difference. I found that I could actually put in the amount of studying I needed to do um, rather than what if if I had if something I had to give in my first couple of years it would be the studying um, I'd sort of try and make sure that I'd always got the training done first um, but yeah once I split it, it was a lot easier to manage um, and a lot more enjoyable as well actually and do you think that maths is something that you'll come back to at some point or do, do you kind of use the skills that you picked up there to to Um, calculate speeds and times and I'm not sure many of the things that I learned have stuck um there's there's a lot of things that I look through even like from from last year and I just think I have no idea what that that even is I I couldn't I couldn't even unpick what what I'd written all these symbols and things um but I'm quite interested in like the performance analysis um and so some of the things that I've used in sort of more like coding modules has seemed to come up a little bit and uh, yeah I think that might be a, a somewhere where I might use a bit of the math that I've learned oh, very good uh... I love that you're you're sporting the British canoe top um, <laughs> and um I know that you know the ultimate aim is is Paris 2024. Um how does that look currently? 
in your prep stages to it and what are the key milestones that's going to make that aim a reality yeah so the hope was that we'd qualify um this summer so that was in the k4 um and we needed a top 10 and we were 11th so that was a bit heartbreaking um yeah it was it was really tight racing um and we'd done a pb in the training camp just Mm. before we raced and we did a race pb when in that semi-final so yeah it was so close but not quite there um and then the k2 again was really really close but that was also a boat that we hadn't been focusing on training so um for it to do as well as it did is really promising um so the next chance to qualify will be in may next year um so there's a k2 up for grabs and a k1 um so yeah we're we're kind of trying to fully focus on on being ready for them but it feels like a long way away may which is a good thing but then it also feels terrifyingly close to when it actually kicks off yeah i think um i have a feeling it's gonna all come by really quick and how would it what's your what's your feel how do you feel about you know what's your you know what's your predictions i guess as a group and a team i I think as a team we're in we're in quite a, a strong position um yeah, uh, it's it's sort of like we're getting quicker year on year. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I feel like we were we were so close. It's it's just closing those little gaps now. Um, Who are your biggest competitors? Uh, so I think with the K2 now, it's going to be the Spanish Spanish boat. Oh. So of that final at the World Champs, um, there was the top six that made it through that have already qualified so now can't qualify another boat um and then in seventh was the spanish eighth was new zealand so they're not considered in the european sort of qualifying pool um so i think yeah i imagine it's spain but it as with kind of all sports it's you never know what kind of winter people are going to have um people kind of pop up sometimes from nowhere um so yeah trying not to think too much about who we're going to be up against it's almost just trying to be the absolute quickest we can be as a boat and is it is it about speed or is it about it's obviously you know if you're looking at marathon running you're looking at sprint trials in athletics during the particular event if you get a particular time you can qualify and same with swimming is it about is it same with canoeing or is it actually about positions and places? Because you said about the eleven. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So um, yeah, the world world champs just gone. It's um, top top ten for the K fours, top six for the K twos, top can't remember. It's either six or eight for the K one. Um, so it, it's a bit it's a bit cruel um, mm. because you can be in situations. I mean, we had it over the summer where one semi-final goes quicker than the other semi-final and you've got someone in the final that actually you might have been able to beat if you were up against them and that's kind of the nature of it sometimes it works in your way and I've had tons of races where I've made it into the final off of a slower semi-final I've been feel kind of blessed that I've been in that race but yeah sometimes it goes the other way so it's it's based off positions and I I so I live 
very like pretty pretty close to Henley. Um, and I'll take my dog out for a walk regularly along along the river. And you see people in the canoes, I, I assume sprinting, and they're going at really a, like an absolute pace. And it's really impressive to watch. My dog barks, obviously, because she's very excited by that image. But um, give us an idea of what speeds are you traveling? And if you like, you know, over the course of that, you said mentioned 500 meters, that tactical sprint at the finish. How do you rally that energy at the last maybe 150 meters? Yeah, so 500 meters for, for me takes about a minute and 50 seconds in my K1, about a minute and 40. I need to do my maths here. And yeah, about speed, a minute speed and a half. Speed distance over time. Come on, I'm good at... See, GCSE <laughs> paid me well here. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what that is in kilometres per hour. Uh, One minute divided by 500. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know, I know we're kind of... In the, in the K4, we were hitting a max speed of around 22 kilometres an hour. Um, and then, yeah, you settle down. I think that works out just just below twenty kilometers an hour. Um, and yeah, the, the the finish you you don't ever actually when you look at your data, you don't ever actually increase your speed. It's it's more just who can slow down less. Um, yeah, the first two fifty is normally couple of seconds quicker than the second one um and it's yeah it's general kind of race profile is you do your start you get up to speed you transition down into your running pace and you just try and hold it and it's generally that you've got to sort of find that fine line between holding that pace and that being a a really good pace but also being able to last to the end because it yeah, it it is still for a sprint. It's quite a long time to be working really hard. <laughs> it's um, you talked. I think I'm going to kind of switch back to some of the the mental kind of discussion that we had around psychology of it. And one of the things that you said was that you, you know, you talked about blocking things out, and you're entirely just focused on going as fast as you can to that finish line. Is that something that you kind of like consciously do at the start line or is it very much um, a kind of phase or I don't know if you want to call it like a trance or something that you kind of go into subconsciously through the course of, you know, the first maybe few seconds of the race? Do you have like mental... I think it's more just the zone that I go into. I, yeah, I, I think I since I've been doing the crew boat stuff, um, I tend to kind of say it more when we're kind of talking through the plans as a team um more for other people's sake than my own but I think it is just uh I, yeah I don't really need to think about it it just kind of happens and it's like I'm just fully focused on on what I'm doing and do you do you get nervous at all do you have like ways and yeah I do um I, yeah I'm a lot better now than I used to be as a as a junior I used to get very very nervous there used to be a lot of tears before <laughs> before the start of a race um but I think now it's I do get nervous because I really care about what I'm about to do and uh, like I do get the thoughts of what if 
this happens on the start or what if there's a lean in the boat or like all these kind of little worries but then I just try to remind myself that I've literally done this hundreds of times um and yeah I'm nervous because I care about it but I've also done all the training that I know I need to do to be in a place to it's almost like I'm, I'm sure I've I've done worse sets in training in terms of like how hard it is compared to the race so it's it's yeah it, it's just kind of controlling the nerves kind of keeping the excitement in and then using it when it comes to the race if there's if there's like junior athletes or athletes that are kind of new to the sport out there that are I guess looking into competing and at the moment it all looks probably quite scary and something that they're not sure they can do what what would you say to them to encourage them to take that leap of faith oh good one um yeah I'd say something for me that kind of helped um when I did used to get really nervous is like writing down all the things that you can control writing down all the things you can't and then actually like physically doing something with that list of things that you can't control so ripping up the piece of paper and throwing it away um or kind of like yeah so it really really stupid I did was like label all these cones and then knock all the cones over with a ball <laughs> like just kind of trying to one get rid of like the things that are out of your control like don't give you attention to those things and then just remembering all the things that you have done um that and that are in your control you you know you're, you're going to go and do a race and you've you've trained for it or you've, you've practiced it you've got a plan um and yeah try not to worry about what everyone else is doing everyone else will be feeling nervous um that's the other thing I remember I think it must have been my first Euros or Worlds, I was warming up and I was looking at all of these other paddlers thinking, oh my God, they look so strong. They look so quick. They've just done an effort and they've gone straight past me. They're, they're going to absolutely smash me. And it's almost like I forgot that I was also really strong and quite quick. Um, so yeah, not getting distracted by, by everyone else around you. That's great advice. I remember in my, in my youth, I I'd sprinted and um, I was so driven by my routine. Um, such a small time period to get it right. You know, your ultimately your months and months of training for you specifically was, you know, is diluted into one minute. Um, and you know, likewise for my sprinting, obviously about eight seconds over hundred meters. No, not really. But um, <laughs> the it was the method and the. I guess every finer detail going up to that start line was so detailed. Do you, do you have that same approach? Because it's so different if you're doing a longer distance, I find. You know, if you're doing a longer run, the prep starts much earlier in your food prep, what you're eating, etc. I know that doesn't go away, but in the actual race, that can change sometimes through your tactics and through your, your um, I guess, the actual race duration. But in a sprint, it's such a finite much smaller margins potentially do you find that yeah yeah i have a routine that i follow every single race um in what is terms it of it's it's um what time am i going to leave or what time do i want to be at the course and what time i leave kind of obviously varies on the the journey um 
but then it's yeah what time do I arrive what time do I start my land warm-up what time do I get on the water for a warm-up what time do I have my uh, I normally have a coffee and a banana before um before I get racing what what time do I then start my actual race warm-up um even down to like where's the window of time that I can go to the toilet before I put my race number on um what time do I go down to the boat what time do we get on the water and through the boat control um exactly what my warm-up is going to be which is also the same every time so it's almost or we got got to a point this year where you get given a race time you look at the start list look at what time the race is at and then you almost don't need to discuss everything else it's just sort of like you work backwards on the time check that you've not made any silly typos and then it's just the same every time and leading up to that do you have you know in the boat you're now sat in that canoe ready to go is it are you aware of those other canoes canoeists next to you um or is it a case to just head down you and think, your team around you and focus yeah on that i'm start? aware of the other boats when it comes to you've got to be in your start area a few minutes before and i'm normally aware of the other boats then if everyone looks like they're starting to line up i'm thinking we're getting really close now. I should probably make sure I'm in line with everyone else. Um, and then, yeah, going into the bucket, I'm generally aware of have people gone into the bucket yet because you don't really want to be sitting in it for a really long amount of time because you can start sort of, if there's a bit of a wind, you can start going, turning around and not being straight once once you're in there. But it's also, I don't want to be the last person in the bucket because I'm going to get in and then the starter's going to set us off and I'm not going to be ready. So, yeah, I'm a little bit aware of everyone. What's going the bucket? To the so the bucket is um, <laughs> literally looks like a bucket. Just gonna, um, I'm just going to be like that guy. Game. I'm hoping all the listeners are going to be like, I'm really glad I didn't ask that question. Yeah. But, um, yeah. My like head was going, oh, are you calling a canoe a bucket? Is that I, a know, I, was thinking, I was thinking, oh, maybe it's the canoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's just the, it is literally like the shape of a bucket on its side um so you you paddle into it the nose of your boat goes into it and it holds you there on the start line um Ah. quite often they have little lights on them as well and so when when this race starts there's a noise and the bucket drops and you're free to paddle oh there we go it's actual bucket it's kind of like sprinters i guess getting like on on when they're running getting into the blocks into the blocks yeah similar sort of thing yeah Oh, well, there we go. We've learned, learned another thing. Today. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Um, I'm re- part of the reason why I wanted to, you know, I, I mentioned it in a in a brief at the beginning is I want more people to to sort of feel like they can follow your footsteps, Emma, and and get into canoeing. What would be your message to the wider audience, potentially mathematics students or students who are thinking, I can't, I have to choose one or the other because my degree is going to be very labor intensive. What is your message to those who effectively might be looking up to you for that pathway? Um, And any bits and snippets of advice you can give them? Uh, Do you mean specifically um, in terms of like unis or? I don't really mind really I guess general participation is good but yeah maybe specifically as a second part to how do you balance we've already gone through the balancing part of the degree so yeah maybe maybe it's just a first yeah I think it um just 
try it don't like don't be afraid to try different things and kind of see what works for you um and yeah nothing's ever going to be sort of perfect the first time around you do it um so for me that's been working out um like I mentioned with the the uni the lectures and having to start really early like I did I think a couple of weeks where I did every single morning super early but then I got really tired and it wasn't really manageable so it's just kind of trying different things out and um and yeah giving things a go and and not yeah trying not to be too hard on yourself it's, you're not going to be great when you first start at anything and if you if you were looking back to your younger self is there any kind of words of advice that you'd give yourself um back then at, at any age um kind of given the experiences and what you've learned to date i love this this is a very joe typical joe exercise right podcast question and I'm always like, whenever she asks, I'm like, it's a great question. Forgetting <laughs> that it's been asked yeah. before. <laughs> I think I've spent a lot of time worrying about really useless things um, and worrying about if too far in the future, is this going to work out? Is that going to work out? Um, and I think if you put in the hard work, eventually the time is going to come. Um, and things will fall into place and I think I'd yeah try and find a way um to stop worrying and stressing about so many little things when I was younger um and uh, yeah be much more enjoyable I think so sticking to you said tradition another traditional and you, I hope you've listened and you've got an idea what this is coming from but <laughs> we have a traditional question on the podcast and I'm going to go back because we've spoken a bit about it on that start line in the bucket. There we go. Learning. What music, what track um, that that would get you in the mood to, to pull out a PB? What is that one bit of music that's going to be your go-to? Hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting question actually because <laughs> it changes every competition. Oh, okay. Um, I like that. Bit of variety is good. I have a tendency to um, I have a tendency to listen to a song over and over again um, for a short period of time, and when it comes to racing, and it's normally just come up from yeah it'd be something quite upbeat from some sort of someone's training podcast on in the gym or something I've just come across um and it, it kind of gives, gets me going um but yeah it it changes every competition give it as example of one from like recent races um oh I can't remember who it's by but there's one called apricots Oh okay. Apricots. Yeah. Oh, frantically googling songs. I, it's, called it's, there's, there's no um it's like a there's no um singing to it or anything. It's just a it's just a like a beat. Oh, cool, okay. So you quite yeah, like, well, yeah you've uh, I don't know what you call them. I was gonna say musical track, but that's probably not the really thing most yeah. Apricot yeah, bicep. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I, just tend to put something on repeat for 
for a competition and then I'm probably sick of it by the end and I find <laughs> find something else to listen to. Well, Apricots wins it. <laughs> <laughs> and what's your leaving message to the listeners um, as we draw this to a close? I'd say that, yeah, I think my overall kind of message to people is if you want to give something a go, don't be afraid. Um, and remember that you're not going to be great at something to start with, but that doesn't matter. It's just about giving something a go, seeing if you like it. And if you do like it, just keep showing up, keep keep working at it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to edit that. And in the intro, we're going to change the intro now because the listeners can finish the sentence themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Have a caption. No, that's great. Um, thank you so much, Emma. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, good luck for May. Thank you. I don't think you need it. I think you'd be great. <laughs> and you got our support all the way. But no, thank, thank you so you much. Look, lovely, to, lovely to meet you. And uh... Yeah, lovely to meet you, Susan. Are you right, Joe? I'm all right. How are you, Ash? Sorry, I just, I'll just let, it, I was just waiting for you to, to gulp. Inhale. <laughs> Basically, um, again, listeners, just for your backup and information here, Joe messaged me about ten past seven, saying, "I'm on. Let me know. We'll, I can grab my pasta and, and get it down me, and I'll be ready to go." It's now twenty past eight, and <laughs> Joe has been trying in desperately to get this pasta down her face it's gone from very hot like scalding spaghetti bolognese where it's literally like rinsed my taste buds <laughs> so cold spaghetti bolognese which now to be fair tastes pretty rubbish but yeah <laughs> well, such is the dedication you have to the exercise ride podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is it anyway what pasta is it spaghetti bolognese very very boring but a little um, just just on a complete side note I put like feta cheese on top instead of um, parmesan. Oh, rogue! Word, absolutely. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm gonna be doing that again. It's delicious. Mm, okay. Kind of like pushy up your spag bowl. Bit of feta cheese. Thank me later. Di- diving into the spag bowl conversation because my wife will be all over this. And yeah. actually, just for the record, my wife has become a listener, a fan. Yes, sir. Shout Hello. out! It's so good. Still working. I'm loving it. So Emma listened to my, us, my my lovely voice that she doesn't get enough of, <laughs> on the way to nursery drop off in the morning. It's oh, great. Oh well, I know. Well, uh, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, I've got you know as as obviously there's no pressure for my wife to listen to it, but uh, it's actually quite nice. So on that note, <laughs> going back to my original question, talk us through your prep. And you're, co- you're, you're cooking of a spag bowl because Emma's adamant that it must be a 24-hour slow cook. Otherwise, oh, it's I, it's not allowed. I do think a slow cook bolognese is always better. And I hate a bolognese that you can kind of like, um, still got that like chunky meatiness. I like it kind of when it like all like melts away. Yeah. So I'm definitely there with a slow cooker if if I'm if I'm prepared in advance enough. If not. I become a bit of a meat snob and I go to the butchers because I oh here we go mince like I guess melts away or whatever becomes nice and tasty with just like an hour or so on the hob and compared to uh, my local supermarket is Asda but I don't really rate their mince for for said purposes (laughs) that has to be slow cooked 
he knew Jay was such a food snob. I mean, I absolutely love I it. Absolutely <laughs> 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 not even not even Waitrose gets the cut for for Jay Rycroft. I'm not a posh supermarket person. I either like butchers or I'll stick with like what Asda or Lidl's got. Like, yeah, and I like you know shop locally. You know, support yeah. local uh, shops. But then, um, yeah, once it's in, I think. Uh, probably not very food snobby, but a key ingredient to me is a little squirt of ketchup, bit yeah. of mar- bit of marmite, yeah, or dark chocolate, or dark chocolate, yeah. Um, red wine must. Then you can kind of continue um, said consumption of red wine with the meal. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else goes? That's, in? Really, that's why you're so chatty on the podcast just now. Mushrooms, got to put some mushrooms in there for me. I didn't, I didn't mm. get this one, but I'm, they're miss, it's missing. Um, then usually try and throw a bit of veg in. And yeah, tom tomato puree and tin toms. I'm just a I'm a dolmio's at the can, me. Dolmio? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just I'll just playing to your snobbery there. Dolmio. Dolmio. <laughs> no, you'll get the you'll get the you get the green light from Emma there. Your slow cook is the way. Yeah. Um if anyone hasn't done a slow cook and they use it as a almost like a convenience dinner which can be it's got that sort of vibe hasn't it a weekday yeah. dinner give it a go nothing to do with exercise this, this comment here but it's bloody delicious yeah, yeah, yeah. we're supposed to be recording it yeah. <laughs> even more so joe's talking about putting cheese on top so, <laughs> so don't worry about that bit. It's an eclectic and it's a wide and um, holistic style of exercise right <laughs> podcast today. We're actually talking about, maybe that's where we go, we venture into. We talked about baking with cow. Now yeah. we're talking about slow cook with, with Joe. Yeah. <laughs> just, 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 just do a whole episode on food slobbery. <laughs> we should probably talk about poor Emma there. Yeah. Well, there is, well, that was a great, a great, um, uh, what what a lovely well first and foremost what what an absolute what a love what a lovely what a lovely chat I think she's um yeah uh, a great you know example for young people growing up and obviously um not that long out of university and straight into kind of professional sport so um I really really enjoyed that yeah I I I was really interested about how level she was. Yeah, it was you know considering graduated last year into worlds into European champs aiming for Paris. I don't think I knew. I don't, oh well, I, I I mean I was working. In fact, I was actually working at Waitrose. <laughs> bring, bring, almost like we planned this conversation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> immediately after that, and that is honestly as far as my mind would go. So. Um, it's, I think for me, what stood out is really wise shoulders on a relatively um, young young um, person, um, but so calm and collected with it, um, very yeah. composed. It was absolutely knew what she was doing, knew the routine she needed to get into, almost professional in her style, if mm. you like, um, and unfazed. And I can imagine being in that boat that sort of person is exactly who you need it's almost like that you know because sprinting is alluded to it in the podcast is literally such a all or nothing thing that you can get almost 
over aroused um we mentioned it about the you know the final 250 meters you've got to stick to your plan the same thing goes you've got to stick to your technique and i think that certainly having someone in, in your boat like emma is gonna gonna settle it but no i thought she was really really good and i got i also think that i hope that people will be listening going i can give it a go yeah um, and something which maybe you haven't considered before but do you know what um it sounds like a really interesting sport and there's you can balance it with demanding degrees like mathematics for example i think it's great to kind of put those sports like a little bit more at the forefront of um you know people's minds and showcase them a bit more because often i don't know i mean i'm certainly guilty of it the big the major games will come along and you're watching things like the olympics and suddenly you get glued to all these sports that you've not really you know ever paid a huge amount of attention to or even like tried yourself and it's amazing to watch and then kind of another four years goes by but actually I think it'd be you know it's it's great to shine a bit more of a spotlight on them and um you know it's you know the training that she's describing you know the way you know the the teamwork everything else it's I mean it sounds an awesome sport to get into um and, and honestly when i was talking about you know watching people in the dog walks and joking that margot will chase after them they go serious pace yeah. and these are probably club i'm gonna guess level so you know amateur but it's really impressive and the sync the way they work into complete synchronization mm-hmm. is impressive and to think that you know of emma's level and above that's really impressive and really exciting um, but no, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I and I, you know, I didn't try and hide it. I didn't even know what bucket was, for God's sake. But um, my exposure to that world is 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 zero, um, purely on a participation level of, of sort of watching on a dog walk. But luckily enough, thanks to this podcast, we've had a bit more exposure to it. Really, with you know Charlotte, Ed, Erin, um, and now Emma, it's been really good. Yeah, all the water sports. Just need to get some windsurfers and sailors on board now. That's a good idea. I've got that's a very good point. Might have a might have a couple up my sleeve. Let's oh. see how many let's see how many different Olympic sports we can get on before Paris. Now that's there. Okay. The- I like that. Yeah. I need to have a list now to work through and that would that would yeah, be you're such a stats man. <laughs> I, I, I need I need to know I need to have a strategy, Joe. Yeah. Otherwise <laughs> That's too vague and it's already overwhelming me. You're not <laughs> I need to have a, a strategy in alphabetical order, preferably. Yeah. Okay. That can, can work backwards from that. <laughs> but I was really, I did want to grab listeners' attention at this, this, this point is that it's been great. You know, we're in season three um, and sort of pushing on really well. Do like and share, guys, because we don't we haven't really mentioned it that often in the podcast because i don't really want to go you know selling our podcast to what we're doing and we've got some really nice natural progression and evolution of listeners and growth from there but we're getting some lovely feedback as well and i guess what well, you know certainly from what people have told me is you've got to be a bit more self promoting so here it goes <laughs> here it goes just if you like and you like what we're doing, like and share it. Share it with your team. Share it with your your friends and colleagues. Because this is why we're doing it. We're doing it for purely that reason. Um, we're not very good at selling ourselves, so you can sell us for us. 
Yeah, much appreciated. <laughs> Thanks, that'd be great. <laughs> Give us a thumbs up and a five star on Spotify, please. Yeah. <laughs> or or whatever podcast forum you're listening to. Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. not yet paid by Spotify, but if you're listening to Spotify, uh, we're cheap. Yeah. <laughs> a tenure will do as it. As long, as long as we can afford butchers, beef mints, we're, we're happy. <laughs> yeah, to be yeah, as long as it pays my spag ball, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> On that note. Finish it. Finish your spag ball. Yeah, and uh, have a good evening, everyone, or morning or day, depending on when you're listening. <laughs> See you on the other side. Be the first to hear about our new episodes and find more information by following Exercise Right UK on Instagram and Facebook.